Welcome to The Uplift, where we are uplifting our lives, uplifting each other, and uplifting our communities together. Thank you for joining myself, Sai Herrera, and Tessa Savala here, two women, two attorneys, doing it our way, and inviting you here each week to share in on the stories, advice, and life lessons we've picked up along our journeys that keep us uplifted, and that will hopefully do the very same thing for you. Now buckle in and let's get ready to be uplifted. Good morning, Sai. Good morning, Tessa. So I thought we were talking today about advice and good advice that has followed us through our lives. And I think that changes as what the advice we needed as a, you know, elementary school student is much different than the advice we need today as professional women. But what is the first piece of advice that you can remember receiving that was helpful and has carried with you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is some advice that my my grandmother would give, my grandma Vicky. I'll be talking about her a lot. And um, she just really kind of gave us the sense that, you know, no one is above you. You're not above anyone else. You know that you have value um, wherever you are and whoever you're talking to. And so that really, really carried with me. Um, I think that it's one of those things that just gives you a sense of confidence when you are in new situations. And I was in new situations a lot as a kid since I moved out. I moved around a lot. That is excellent advice. How about you? What can you remember? I, again, my grandmother in Sweden, who I called more, more, which in Swedish means mother's mother. So we differentiate mm-hmm. between mother's mother and father's mother, which is mm-hmm. far more, which is really helpful in conversation, right? So you understand which grandmother you're speaking of. Yeah. So my, my more, more used to say to me, Tessa Hun Khan, which means Tessa, she can literally. And mm-hmm. to me, the advice was, I can try anything. I can do anything I put my mind to. And there is no limit upon me. And I think that is so different in that experience than it was as a child when we moved to the United States, where I felt like there was always limits placed on women. And that freeing differentiation between culture was so great to me, knowing that the Swedish part of me had no limits placed upon me, even though as Mm. living in America, it was like the dress code is about what girls can and cannot do. Girls should be nice. Girls shouldn't speak up. Girls shouldn't be as smart as boys. Girls can't be good at math. Like all those things that are ingrained upon young women. Wow. So powerful. I love that. And it it really complements, you know, the advice that I got and that it just makes you, both of those make you feel like, you know, it's almost like a preparation, right? It's almost like an armor going in and knowing that I think both of them knew that this is what you're going to face. Right. And I'm yeah. sure they both faced all of those things um, in their generation and having that armor going in, it really puts you in a different position because I think one of the big things that happens with, with people going, you know, through their childhood or even in their later years, when you're in a new situation, when you're in a new environment, when you're, you know, faced with a new challenge, I think one of the hardest things is that you're not, 
you know, you're not prepared. You've never seen it before. Um, you've never been there before. But when you have this armor of an experienced person on you and you're walking in um, with certain presumptions uh, that are preparing you for the situation before you even know what you're walking into, I think it, it can set you up for success, definitely. I agree completely. And I think about how often we are hard on ourselves and I think we almost need that positive advice and like a supply and a well of it to counteract all the times that we are hard on ourselves or we think others are hard on ourselves or you know I mean yes we're hard on ourselves but where is that coming from and I think that is the most interesting thing is that we think we it's coming from us right and so it mm-hmm. must be true and that's the power <laughs> right that's the power of all these subliminal messages that we're getting because nobody came up to you Tessa and said I, I doubt I hope not that you know you can't be good at math um you know no one told you that out loud and outright right so where are you they did actually <laughs> they did oh no that's even worse okay mm-hmm. but there's so many other examples right where folks are signaling to you something right and as social animals we are we are built to pick up on that social messaging and you know and then if one of the social social messages is that you should be a pleaser um that you should be trying to you know that you have to get people to like you they have to be nice and not mean you know all of these different subliminal messages then you're more likely to internalize all of that and um and so, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that you got to have, you got to have, I love what you said. You got to have this well, you know, of positivity and strength that you can draw from for every step of the way. And, you know, even though our grandmothers um, might be gone, that still is there. And I think that's incredibly powerful and shows how, you know, that can live on through generations. Absolutely. And I think it's something that can be adapted by anyone who is, kind of experience that feeling on the outside where you're not part of the mainstream culture who seems to have this, I don't know, for me, it seems like sometimes I look at people and I think, wow, they just believe that they deserve to be there, even Mm. though Mm -hmm. (laughs) it appears that they do not deserve (laughs) to be there from a a merit standpoint, right? Yes, yes. Well, I mean, so much interesting psychology in there for me. I think there's so much interesting psychology there because, you know, I mean, my husband sometimes says that uh, art is what you can get away with. And um, I think that life is an art in that way, right? So if you can project the strength, if you can project this confidence, if you can project this security in yourself and where you are, where you are going, um, other people buy into it. And so I think that is really important. And so, you know, these, these pieces of advice, these, these pieces of wisdom that were shared with us, I think those are actually playing into that very thing where if you're carrying that with you walking in, um, people will believe it. Um, if you believe it, people will believe it. So it just shows how much more powerful that those, those pieces of advice really turned out to be. It's uh, fascinating what you just said about how if you believe it, other people will believe Mm -hmm. it. I read this article, I think it was in New York Times once, about Marilyn Monroe interviewed. And she was walking down the street in New York with her interviewer. 
and her interviewer didn't understand why everybody wasn't just like dropping everything and staring at her mm-hmm. and she said it's because of the way I'm walking and he didn't understand what she meant and she said I'm just walking like a normal human being I don't have like my you know my shoulders back and my hips swaying dramatically and mm-hmm. so she she turned to him and said watch this and she you know pulled herself up kind of arched her back starts swaying her hips and instantaneously everybody paid attention <laughs> and so it really is about you know what you're portraying to society uh-huh. and how it can turn on a dime and to me i think you know speaking about childhood is is really interesting because i think as an adult um, you become more cognizant of it, possibly, right? Like when you start mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, body language and all, you know, what are you projecting? And now with social media, the image, you know, that you're creating, right, for yourself in the yeah. world. Um, but when you're a child, uh, yes, you're self-conscious, you're thinking about how you look sometimes, sure. But I don't think you're thinking about things in that regard, right? You're not thinking about body language when you're in elementary school. <laughs> or the reaction of others. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And so, I mean, it's just there's not that analytical phase yet. And so, I again, I think that the advice is so critical because it, it is preparing you um, basically to play this, you know, this this social game before you really know the rules. And um and it really puts you in a position to, you know, to be yourself and not be apologetic for it and to feel confident that you can do anything. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the first time I think I understood that there was this kind of like societal game that had to be played mm-hmm. was actually watching a film called Working Girl, which happens to be one of my favorites. And it's not just because the main character is named Tess. <laughs> I, I actually legitimately like it. It's a great advice. So the theory of, in the film is that there's this woman, Tess, who's a s- secretary to a woman who is in mergers and acquisitions in New York. The Her boss takes a vacation, injures herself, and Tess kind of fills in. Mm-hmm. She has this idea that she'd presented to her boss, and her boss kind of passed it over. She discovers that her boss was trying to work this deal. And so Tess decides to start working the deal herself and realizes as an outsider, she has to kind of bend the rules. And it's a story about not only how she figures out how to bend the rules, but it's a story about how she figured out how to make it happen in a way that was outside the normal structure of how deals are made. Mm. And you saw not only her thinking being different, but also how she was treated being different. And in the end, she you know, comes out victorious because it's a happy Hollywood ending to it all. (laughs) But it was an interesting kind of perspective of not only how you are perceived, but how you bringing in a competent skill set can change the dynamics of a situation. Mm, mm. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's intriguing. Um, because I mean, we've, we've been focusing on, you know, the projection, right. Of it all and kind of the attitude and the confidence that's being portrayed, but you know, where is that coming from? And also what else are you bringing? Right. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of speaks to both of those things. Like you said, there are some people that are out there kind of on confidence alone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They've been able to make it far just portraying and projecting 
uh, the sense of confidence with maybe not enough to back it up. Uh, but in this case, you know, somebody who was creative, somebody who had a skill set uh, that they felt confident enough to, you know, test out. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't ask really for permission to do it. I love all of that. I love all of those parts of that story. But this, you know, this something that I heard, I think, for the first time when I started working in politics, that asking for permission, but instead asking for forgiveness instead mm-hmm. of asking for permission, right? Yes. I think that's a high hurdle. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that is taught to a certain group of people growing up in the United mm. States or if it's not, I certainly didn't learn to ask for forgiveness instead of permission as like a default structure. Did you? Yeah, no, no, no. It's something I've, I heard, you know, far later in life. Um, yeah. I think that I honestly, my, my opinion is coming up in the, in the U S system. It's, it's really, everything is, is you're conditioned to, you know, be a rule follower. Um, mm-hmm. Here's your path, you know, go to college, get this kind of thing. Then you get this kind of job, you know, everything is very linear, which yes. is interesting because there's so many, you know, there's such another, there's a spirit in America that there's so many, you know, incredible come up stories, right? Uh, entrepreneurs, right. rags to riches. Like there's this whole other, uh, there's this whole other story that's happening in America, but what's taught is not that (laughs) I don't, I don't think what's taught is that. Um, I think that there's a safe, you know, there's a safe path that you're taught. This is, this is the safe way to go. And people are, you know, generally risk averse and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, um, I think you're encouraged through the system that this is the way to go. And honestly, I, I do believe that it limits people you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're putting parameters on their own mind, um, mm-hmm. on what is possible, right? Just like your grandma said, you can do, basically you can do anything, right? And yeah. so I think people say that, like, I remember hearing people say that when I was growing up, like, you can be anything you want to be, for example. But one of the things that I would say, not so much as something I got as advice, but something that I observed from my childhood is that, when somebody tells you, you can be anything you want to be, they have every good intention of, of, of saying, like, I believe in you. I think that you could really do anything in the world. However, when you are in a place, an environment <clears throat> that is limited in its scope of possibilities, then your mind can only be expanded that far, right? Unless you have some external sources, some other exposure you know, whether it be through books or travel or through people showing you something different. I think that that is a really big lesson I took from my childhood is that just simple exposure and being able to see what else is out there and being able to see yourself in those other things is, I think, really amazing. Like even the movie that you talked about, it could be that it could be traveling and just seeing how other people are living and maybe that's the kind of life you want and then you learn about how they got there right or you know a business owner if you've never been around a business owner you might only know people that are workers and employees and that might be the only thing that you're training your life up to be and, and your mentality to be so I think in general exposure is so important I feel like one of the lessons I learned just from life um, when I was in law school 
was that exposure again is so important. When I, for the first time seen a Latina judge, it was the first time in my life and I'm already, you know, in my what mid twenties at this point, (laughs) never (laughs) occurred to me. But when I seen this Latina judge, I thought, Oh, I can be a judge. And I never thought that before that moment. Yeah. I have a friend who describes this, that feeling of how we don't allow, we either don't allow ourselves or we don't have a community around us that is expansive to allow ourselves to see the opportunities Mm -hmm. before us as Mm -hmm. crabs in a bucket. Right. And it's so easy to be that crab that gets pulled back down to understand the parameters that are, have been set for us and our Mm -hmm. similar beings Mm -hmm. as opposed to being the crab that, you know, reaches the top of the bucket and can see the expanse of limitless opportunities that are before us. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that really speaks to me. You know, I grew up in, I don't know what you would call it, a Rust Belt city, (laughs) mid-sized city and post-industrial wasteland, sometimes I call it. Um, But I grew up in the city where it wasn't a small town, you know, it wasn't a rural small town of a few hundred people. It was a pretty good sized city in in regards to population. But I would always say that we have a pretty big city, but but it's small minded. (laughs) And um And the reason I would say that is because, you know, one of the wonderful thing, one of the wonderful gifts my parents gave me is that they, um, they would find a way to travel, even though we didn't have a lot of money at all. Um, They would find a way, they would find a way to get us in a car and just travel across the country and just drive and, um, and just see new things, even if they were free things, you know, going to the beach is free, (laughs) different things like that. We would find something, you know, to do that was meaningful. And, um, and so when I would come back, you know, I, it just, it just, you know, if I feel like it's like a crab that came out of the bucket and came back to the bucket and realized, oh, this is a very small bucket. <laughs> 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 There's a bunch of other stuff outside this bucket, guys, right? Um, but people that have not seen it, I mean, I can't tell you how many people from my hometown had never left my hometown. And that would that would, you know, just shock and awe me because I'm like, you could get in your car and you could be in Chicago in a few hours. Like one of these big major cities in our country, you know, like you could do that and you've not even done that. Like that's bananas. So, um, but you know, there's there, it's the mentality. It's not the physical limitations. It's really Mm -hmm. not. And, and I, that was even more apparent when I seen that, um, you know, one of my own aunts was like, why, you know, how are y'all traveling so much? And, and we don't travel. And my mom's like, it's not because of the money. You definitely have more money than us. So (laughs) it just kind of painted this picture. Like it's really, it's all about your mentality. It is how you choose to see the world. But I mean, even as I'm speaking of that, it makes me think the exposure to different mindsets is so important. Yeah. It's so important. And, and just one person can make all the difference. And I think that that is you know, probably why our grandmothers are so important to us because they had this just different perspective. They thought differently than other people. And that is, you know, what sticks with us. That's what makes us think differently. And I hope that it's something that we can share through this podcast to lift other people um, through their lives and through the difficult situations that they might face. Absolutely. 
And I was thinking about what you just said about the mentality of it. The next piece of advice I remember in my life that was very meaningful was from a complete stranger. Well, a stranger to me. It was during a bar review course in San Francisco. So hundreds of people were packed in this auditorium for this bar review course. And a UC Berkeley professor said, basically, don't freak out. You can do it. <laughs> and, you know, the bar exam is obviously mental with three days of testing in California. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that I tell myself a lot, right? Mm. For any situation that I walk yeah. into, don't freak out. You can do it. And I think yeah. we either aren't told that enough. We don't believe it or we put pressure on ourselves because we think other people are thinking other things about us and they're probably not. <laughs> that, that makes me think of another piece of advice that I picked <laughs> up not too long ago, which was that what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is really good advice. I, I think of it from a pop culture in Shit's Creek, where one of the characters says to the other, uh, people are not thinking about you the way you are thinking about you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, but I mean, it is important, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much. This this rolls into so many things for me. It really does, because it's getting to my life philosophy, frankly, right? Um, and, and I mean, I think our life philosophy kind of is kind of molded from all of these bits of advice and the way that we, we, we kind of test those bits of wisdom in the real world. Right. And we see whether or not they're, they're really true or whether or not they ring true uh, in the situations that we experience in life. Um, But, you know, my, my philosophy is really you, you create your destiny. Right. And um, I seen a great quote the other day that said, you create your destiny and, and fate is, you know, something like fate is what, is when you, when you waste the opportunity to create your destiny or something like that. And, um, and I really deeply believe that because when you are going through life and you are deciding, you know, what you are worthy of, that's really how your life I think is crafted. I really believe that, you know, a lot of people going back again to my hometown, they just don't believe, Oh, I could never afford to live here. I could never afford to move there. I couldn't do that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and my mentality was like, well, other people are doing it. And again, going back to my grandma's first advice, like they're no better than I am. They're no really different than I am. Right. And like having that mentality of like, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, let me just go ahead and try. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that plays together to say like, this is the life that you have to create no one else is doing anything, you know, no one else is better than you in some way where you can't do what they're doing. Um, and just, you know, kind of go for it and don't be afraid. And, um, I think fear is another big thing that just plays into every step of every choice that you make in life. Um, And so I don't know if it was like explicit advice, just like the rest of society. I think that there are people in our lives that, signal things to us, um, that pass on, uh, something to us that is not necessarily words of advice, but rather a state of being. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that that fearlessness, um, is definitely something that I seen in my grandmother and my mother as well. 
other role models in my life where I just said, wow, they're just doing it. They don't care. They're not asking for permission. (laughs) They are not, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if they look like the people that they're emulating. You know, one of the funny things I remember still, I mean, she still is this way, but my mom always looked at, you know, what she would call like rich people. um, Just like, if they're doing it, I'm going to do that. If they have that for their kids, I'm going to have that for my kids. And it just cracked Mm -hmm. me up because I just thought like, you know, she picked her role models. She didn't just limit them to the people directly in front of her. Um, and I think that that mindset probably, you know, again, came down from my grandmother, but it's just a matter of choosing, you know, what you allow really to, to, to really seep into your psyche actually. But the more conscientious you are about it, um, I think the, the more intent you can have in creating the life that you want. And it seems to me when you're making that choice, you need that well that is full with information and advice that mm. allows you to be fearless and allows you to not place limits upon yourself, right? Because it would have been such an easier choice probably for your mom to just emulate the people around her than to look outside of that circle. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, not to say that, you know, fearlessness is just as easy as making a choice. I think when you talk about the well, it's that you have to keep visiting that well to get through the tough stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. when you talked about the bar, I mean, I got triggered, I think. Who doesn't get triggered? Yeah, like, I mean, the you know, the bar itself was the test was so hard. Um, but mm-hmm. law school for me was really, was really difficult too. And I just remember thinking like, am I, can I do this? Like I, you know, when I went to go apply for law school, I was just like, Hey, other people do it, you know? And I went with that like bravery of just like, if mm-hmm. they can do it, I can do it. And that helps you to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then when you're faced with the challenges that are, are, are very, you know, I mean, law school is extremely challenging for me. I didn't know any attorneys. I didn't have anybody to advise me or mentor me about what to expect. I mean, everything was just new and intense and it was, it was really hard. And, um, yeah. And so when I talked to my mom, you know, she's my best friend. I didn't know what to do. I just, I mean, I, I literally was struggling to just like, you know, keep eating and keep going (laughs) and things like that. And she would just give me, well, that's good advice for this episode too. She would give me advice like, look in your bag, find a snack, eat whatever is in there, (laughs) carry the stuff with you, you know, and it literally would help me keep going. But she also would tell me things like that were a broader perspective on the world, which I, this is just something that sticks out in this moment. I'm compelled to say that when I was in law school, I remember thinking I'm failing. I'm not getting A's. I'm not, I'm not doing what I usually do. I'm a straight A student. I'm a 4.0 type student. This is not me. I'm not, I'm not making it. And I told my mom, like, this is hard for me. It's hard for me to not get an A in every course, you know? And she said, all you have to do is pass. (laughs) She just said, all you have to do is pass and get that law degree and you can make a difference because the whole reason I went to law school was to try to make a difference, you know? for communities that are, are, you know, often marginalized. And so when she told me that, 
it gave me the confidence to just not feel defeated. And in that moment, that's what I needed. I needed to hear that, like, it was okay that I wasn't a failure to her. I wasn't a failure to my community. I was, and I shouldn't consider myself a failure, you know, to me that just being there and showing up and doing everything I can to make it through to the other side was good enough. You know, I had a similar experience in law school and was fortunate enough to have a professor who took me under his wing. And he, we both shared a passion for politics, mm. he having run some of Bill Clinton's campaigns. And I think you need that experience in law school, especially when you're somebody who doesn't come from a lineage of lawyers. It doesn't under, even understand, wait, there needs to be outlines what are, what are these outlines? <laughs> exactly. right, like all the basics of law school that you're like, hmm? Yeah. And all these other kids walk in thinking they already know all this stuff because, you know, their brother or their cousin or their best yeah. friend already went to law school. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a challenge when you're not that person who knows what to expect. Yeah. But finding that person who's able to help you through and give you that type of advice, I mean, that is career changing. Mm-hmm. information right whether it's mm-hmm. you just pass it's all you need to do or you find a professor who's like you got this let's just talk about it and takes the time to talk about it one-on-one with you I'm curious Tessa if you can talk more about how you found that that mentor I know you're saying he took he took you under his wing but um did you do anything you know to 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 foster that relationship did it happen organically <laughs> I'm it happened. For people. Sure. Yeah. For me, it happened really organically. I got very, very ill within mm. the first month of law school oh, no. to the point where I needed to be hospitalized for a kidney infection that wow. I never had before. Mm. And so everything turned out fine. But it was, you know, how do you take a month? Uh, like, I think it was 10 days I was out of class. Mm-hmm. So that's Which two full like weeks. A year in law school, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the beginning of law school, when you're still trying to figure it out. And I was intimidated by this professor. He was, you know, I think viewed as kind of this grouchy curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, and they all my professors at law school were very compassionate about what was happening and very helpful. But, you know, he just one. there was something about him that it just it just clicked. It was just conversations of trying to catch up from being out and he and I discovered a shared love of politics and I'm Mm. guessing maybe some of the other people, professors weren't into politics as much as he was. And Mm. it just bonded over, you know, what you would with any friend, right? Like what do you have in common? See, and that's, I mean, there's an important lesson in there. I think again, to the point of, you know, this, you could have very well been intimidated by this person. Um, You could have possibly never, you know, got close to this person. You wouldn't have benefited from all of the things that you benefited from in this relationship. Um, but, uh, you know, in my mind, that's that speaks again to the fact that you were able to put yourself on kind of equal footing with this person in the sense of, you know, we're both people that care about this common thing and we can talk to each other, you know, as equals essentially. And that's important. I think that a lot of people in the you know, a lot of people get caught up in titles, in, mm-hmm. you know, these societal roles and, and positions that we put ourselves in and everything is a hierarchy, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
And I think if you can take the mindset that, you know, you have value, you are a person that can speak with this other person on the same level. Um, I remember this is so random, but someone once told me something that really stuck with me. And I think it was because they seen how I was, you know, maybe in this place where I'm thinking these professors, you know, they're so far above me. Um, and not that they aren't and that you shouldn't have respect for them, but someone said, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to have the same degree that they have. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that that was really fascinating because we get caught up, right? Like we really get caught up in like the pieces of paper that people have or the initials that they have after their name or even their experience that they have. I think that um, we should all always reflect on the fact that we all have this very special value and that there's no one else in the world that has had the same life experience as you. And so you bring that with you. And, you know, I think oftentimes, especially in, I think, changes in hierarchy and how does a student consider herself, you know, able to have a conversation as equals with a professor, Mm -hmm. you have to strip away that kind of accolades that society has placed on you. And I think what really helped me is growing up my uh, aunt Begitta in Sweden would always host these large, extravagant mm-hmm. family dinners with, you know, like multiple wine glasses and mm-hmm. silverware out to the union to the left and to the right. So, nice. But there was never a kid's table. Uh, so the kids were always at the table nice. and the kids were always participating in conversation. And you started understanding like how you, even as like a five-year-old, could fit into a conversation with adults. Mm. And I think that probably was a skill set that I could thank her for for the rest of my life because it taught me that, you know, you can find common ground. Granted, those were my relatives, so of course there's common ground. But at the same time, I think it helped with that professor because I understood if I move it out, if the conversation moves out away from the hierarchy, Mm -hmm. there we can find common ground without the hierarchy playing into, playing a major role. I mean, I feel like I could use that advice right now in my life (laughs) because I mean, you get, I mean, you have to be reminded. It kind of reminds me of meditation where it's like, yes, your brain, your thoughts are going to wander. And then your job is just to notice that and bring it back to center. And it's the same kind of thing with this. It's like, yes, you're going to get caught up in all of the accolades and all of this, you know, societal structure that has been placed out. And then you have to remember like, oh, that's that really I mean mostly meaningless <laughs> and just remind yourself that you're just yeah. talking to another person and you're yeah. a perfectly interesting and great person too <laughs> and um and that they're just people people talking to people and that you can always find common ground in the humanity that connects us I love that story exactly I mean and this was one of those professors that was you know fellowship some one else's name and mm-hmm. written the textbook so there were, there was oh, every wow. reason in the world for me to be like uh, yeah this little girl from Sweden doesn't need to be sitting in this office having these conversations <laughs> but she does and that's <laughs> I think you know like let's let's all affirm each other right now and say you know you deserve to be in the room 
yeah. you deserve to be talking to this person. Why? Not because you have this or that or this accomplishment or this act. It's just, it's just because you're you and you have value in your mm-hmm. perspective, in your experience, in your life. Absolutely. In whatever, whoever you are, you have value. And we just have to keep reminding each other, I think, in every scenario, because so many, so many different times where you will be challenged on that, where you will be made to feel small, where you will be made to feel, you'll be made to feel like you should count yourself out before somebody else does. Or that you don't deserve a seat at the table. And you don't deserve a seat. Yeah. And I think the table has room for everybody because we all bring something different. Absolutely. And if no one's making room, you should make room for yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. Bring your chair and drag it up there. Most definitely. Because, you know, I mean, together, we are the most powerful thing, right? We're the most powerful force together. I, I don't know that anyone can claim that, you know, less voices make more sense. Um, <laughs> that yeah. would be a hard, hard argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, everything points to that, right? It's backed up even by the science. It's, it's, but it's, I mean, it's true, even like tested in your life. And, you know, let's say you have a hard situation in life. I have a hard situation, a decision to make right now. And what do we do? Do we sit and think just to ourselves and make a decision? Um, which, which way is a better way? And I would argue that most people kind of have their own little personal, personal advisory board. And if you don't have one, I suggest you get one. Um, <laughs> Agree. Yeah. But I mean, you know, everyone kind of does, right? Like you call your mom, mm-hmm. you call your best friend, you call maybe your mentor, Um, You call the people that have always been there for you in your life and that you trust and respect their opinion. And that's I call you. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I call you because that's true. Right. And, and even though we believe ourselves to be smart and we believe in ourselves and all of that good stuff, it doesn't mean that there's not value right in, um, in checking yourself against other people in getting their perspective, right. And how Mm -hmm. they see the situation. And especially when you find people that love you or care about you, even in the professional sense, um, then you can trust them that they, you know, want what's best for you. And that maybe whatever you're thinking, you want to challenge it just to exercise that perspective swapping and seeing, seeing it from someone else's eyes and seeing what yeah. really makes sense in that situation. I think you just gave some really good advice about making sure everybody has that kind of mm. board, sounding board to talk through situations because of that very reason that someone else in your, you know, peanut gallery could offer a viewpoint that you might not see. And it could be a reason to, affirm your decision or it could be a reason for you to question your decision and we should be equally open to both absolutely and i mean challenging your perspective is so important because even if you like you said end up on the same decision now you've kind of put it through the ringer right and now you mm-hmm. feel even better about it because you're like hey it it stood the test <laughs> of of all of this um checking with everybody and and seeing where everyone lands and so i think it's so important to have that and be cognizant of it because you know when there are tough situations out there i think sometimes we we might even forget like we might get caught up in the emotion of it like oh i'm exhausted i'm going to tell my girlfriend about it i'm 
you know, I'm upset or whatever, you might get caught up in the emotion of it. But the actual issue, like, let somebody else play with it. Let somebody else tell you their perspective and have that group of people. And if you don't have it, build that group of people that you can count on all the time, that you can trust, that you know, you know, each of them cares for you and that they will give you, um, they'll give you the, their real opinion that is really centered on you and what's best for you. And I think for all those people who are afraid of building those relationships or fighting those relationships, know that even in like the qualitative world of game theory, it tells you that if you're asking somebody for a favor, mm. you're going to build a better relationship. Yeah. Because you're absolutely. asking for that help and advice from a person. Yeah. All that psychology transfers so well. It makes me it makes me think of my fundraising brain now. And in my fundraising work, you know, the best predictor of a gift is a recent gift, right? So if somebody, if you've gotten someone to give you a small gift, um, the next time you talk to them, they're more likely to give you another one because they're invested, right? And the mm -hmm. saying goes, don't ask, if you want money, ask for advice, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and, and it's because, you know, people feel emotionally invested in what you're doing and what we're talking about. And so, you know, the beautiful thing about friendships is that they're, they're, they're forever perpetuated, right? By this kind of symbiotic thing where, you know, I help you with my perspective and my advice and, and then you help me in that way. And it's, it's a beautiful thing in that you can both feel supported you can both get value in this relationship um and that you have somebody just to just to listen like you said about soundboarding I mean just to, someone to listen to you is so important I mean I think that was one of the most beautiful gifts my grandma gave me is that we could just talk for hours <laughs> and it was it was an awesome awesome thing I hope that I hope that people still have that I feel like people probably talk less on the phone <laughs> and to a lot more social media these days and things like that um but it's a beautiful thing and if you have somebody that you can kind of go back and forth with for a long time um that's probably a good sign that those are one of the people that really care about you I completely agree, and I will add the caveat for um, modern technology that the conversations could occur electronically as well, if that's what everybody's into. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, don't limit yourself. I mean, I, I can say for sure that, you know, some of my personal advisory board I'm not going to get them on the phone. <laughs> it's going to be a text <laughs> conversation, but we've gotten pretty good at having long text conversations too. So that always works as well. Um, is there any other final advice, Tessa, that you just have to share with our listeners today that you really want them to maybe carry with them in their lives? Yeah. You know, somebody from my, who's very important in my sounding board said to me one time, be nicer to yourself. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I take that with a lot more, I guess, acceptance than I probably did when he first said it to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just growth and personal experience and confidence too, right? It's like it, it, we are our own worst critics and we can be so hard on ourselves. But, you know, when everyone else isn't thinking about you the way you're thinking about you, right? you don't right. have to be so hard on yourself because, like your mom said, you just have to pass same with the day-to-day -day world you just have to get through that day absolutely so and that's, don't yeah. be so hard on yourself yeah how about I you think, Eddie 
Well, that brought up a couple things for me. I, I've heard similar advice that was more, it was phrased in a way of, um, you know, what did, what advice would you give your best friend or, you know, how would you tell this to your best friend? And that might have come from you, Tessa, but um, <laughs> that helps me. I, that, I carry that with me because um, when I start doing my self-talk, we all do the self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about that just to check, just to check myself. Like, am I being too hard on myself? Um, or, you know, is this unreasonable? Am I, you know, what would I tell somebody else? What would I tell, um, my best friend. And so I think that that is, uh, I think that's a, a way just to check in with yourself and make sure that you are being fair to you. Yeah. Um, and, and you will have to do that over and over again, because again, society, the work pressure, just everybody is sending you these messages that you have to do more. You have to work hard you have to work long, whatever it is. Um, and just, just check it in that way. Like, is this what you would tell your best friend? Um, yeah. that'd be a reasonable thing to tell your best friend. Yeah. Um, sense. and you brought up another thing for me, but I got so enthralled in that thing that I forgot, um, <laughs> what that other thing was, but that's okay. Um, just final advice, uh, in general, I would say, um, I would say to always be open, um, to the next wonderful thing that you could experience in life. Um, I think for, for me, what I've seen through life is that, you know, that exposure that we talked about, that sense of, you know, being brave enough to kind of take that, that, that new step and do something that you don't know anyone else that has done that. Um, every time you do that, it gets you a little bit farther up, you know, the hill or, or just a place where you can see beyond what you could see before. And so I would just say, don't be afraid of that. Um, let yourself kind of explore that and let yourself dream about some other things that you see. Um, and when you find yourself really admiring what someone else is doing or, um, you know, just kind of the life that they're living. Um, if there's something that speaks to you, um, don't kind of put that in the bucket of, Oh, I wish I could have that. Or I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could be that. Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Decide to do it. Decide to do it. Because if you decide to do it, I know you can do it. It's just a matter of whether or not you know that you can do it. And so again, it comes all the way back to the mindset and knowing that, no one else is above you, but you have every right and ability to create the destiny that, that you deserve. And I think for me, it would be that I want everyone to know that there's inner voices that are positive influences and tell you that you can do it and you don't have any limits on yourself and that you deserve a seat at that table should be louder than all the questioning and all the negative advice that we hear in a day. And it has to be almost a choice, though, to choose to listen to those positive voices at some time while that well of positivity fills up. And it's not saying that negativity doesn't exist. It may not have merit at some point in time, but we can't let it settle. And you have to give more credit to the positive voices because while it might be easier to believe the negativity, the positive is the place you want to live your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think about how that is going to 
impact you, right? Because when you choose to focus on the positive, when you choose to focus on all of the good things that you can offer the world, then you can lift yourself up and show the world what you have to offer when you allow those negative voices um, and all of those negative forces to pull you down, then really you're denying yourself and the world, you know, your full potential. Um, I, I don't, I just, that speaks deeply to me because I believe that, you know, nobody is, you know, nobody has it all. Right. <laughs> and so it, it can, it really is a choice, right? It really is a choice on, are you going to focus on what you do have and what you can offer? Or are you going to focus on the negative, literally the negative of what you do not have um, to offer? And it will change. It will change your life. It will change your life. If you just say, this is, this is what I have. This is what I have to bring. And I'm going to keep bringing it um, no matter any, you know, no matter what else is going on. And so I love that advice, Tessa, and I am going to hold on to it. And so many <laughs> other great things that you were um, so generous to bring to this space today. Thank you, Tessa. Thank you for reminding us that it is. I would, the yeah, I guess I'll safely say the part of me that grew up in a socialist country, I believe we have a duty to lift everybody else up because it helps not only that person that we're lifting up, but also ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I personally want to live in a world where everybody's helping everyone else will lift each other up to be their best selves. So thank you for reminding us that our overall goal here with our advice and the advice we've heard and how our advice can help others is that we're all lifting each other up. Of course, of course. And thank you for being my partner in this. And (laughs) thank you all for listening and being um, a part of this community that seeks to do that very thing. Yes. Thank you, guys. 